Hello, everyone, and welcome to What's Next. This is episode 10, and we're delighted to be here today. I'm Jay Guptel, lead pastor at Hillside, and I'm with Pastor Mike Zottarelli, who spoke on Sunday and brought forward a message titled, The Way Up is Down. And so it was, a, it was a great message, and we're looking forward to sharing together today. As we start this day, it's a messy morning out there and something that uh, just kind of slows things down a bit. The rain is coming down hard. It is, and the wind is blowing, and uh, it's a nice East Coast uh, morning. I think it's going to clear by the afternoon, but uh, hey, it's a, a way to get the morning started and get going and uh, and try to get undercover real quick. A great excuse for an extra cup of coffee if you're looking for one. Absolutely. I don't know if you noticed yesterday, but in the prayer time, this is just a side note. Uh, I, I prayed for Pastor Michael Zottarelli, and I don't know if you'd <laughs> pick that up or not, and I thought... That might, maybe that sounds kind of like maybe your wife is introducing you or something like Michael. My mother. That's You're, just my mother. Michael. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyhow, it's good to uh, be together on this uh, episode of What's Next, and we want to talk through the message from Sunday. You began with this concept, this idea of saying, uh, we're going to talk about success today, which seemed like, okay, what? where's this going? Where's this message headed? Uh, but it was just masterfully, you, you did so well with it. But you started off with three measures of success that you talked about from your life, your background. Of course, we all would have our own measures, but right. uh, just want you to start off by talking about what that was for you, those three measures. Yeah, so the three measures of success that are really uh, fundamental to my family growing up uh, as an Italian-American family is around education, which you... The point of education isn't simply to have a status symbol as having education, but it leads to the second one, which is financial stability. There's this inherent belief that if you are well-educated, then you will be more likely financially stable. And then the third one is cleanliness, you know, making sure that you're well-kept, your clothes are clean, you know, dressing nice, not, you know, dressing down all the time. It's taken me a long time to be okay with getting up and having like a breakfast uh, for Christmas, like I know Christmas is coming up, to stay in my sweatpants all day on Christmas is like inappropriate in oh, my family. Okay. You're supposed to like, you can do that for a while you're, you know, unwrapping the gifts at the tree. But once that's done, you have to put on jeans or nice slacks, a nice top, uh, because you're going to have family dinner and you have to be clean you and well-kept for, for family dinner. And what you could do is sit around and talk about all of your degrees and how much money you're making. It's a, it's a great it family meal. feels great, yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, you know, this idea of success, uh, you were uh, working off of this concept of moving up, right? Mm -hmm. This idea of climbing a ladder, uh, finding success. And that's certainly an analogy we've heard before. Um, but then the scripture from the book of James talks about, you know, why or what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? So it's like, hold it, what not success supposed to be everything goes well and all of my relationships go well and everything in my life goes well? But then why are there problems and what's happening and why is that happening and why? what am I contributing to that? So uh, I thought that was a really great way as you started off the message and then you started to move towards this idea of in order to move up, we feel like we actually have to pull others down. And that's an interesting principle and concept that we see a lot. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so it's so hard for us to achieve. 
uh, whether it's, you know, sometimes it's a lack of, of skill, sometimes it's a lack of education, uh, but oftentimes it's just the environment that we're in. We're just not going to be able to achieve what our level of success is. Usually our level of success is set so high that we can't achieve it in the moment, hmm. but we see other people achieving what we want. And whether it's consciously or subconsciously, we start to pull them down because we don't want them reaching the success level that we can't attain in this mm. moment. And uh, so it's it's much easier to tear people down than it is to build ourselves up. Um, yeah. And so that just leads to this, this constant uh, evolving cycle of we're going to tear them down and then they're going to tear us down because they've been hurt by us or now they're not leave, reaching their level of success in it it spirals into these broken relationships where, you know, somebody who could have been a close friend, a coworker, somebody that you cared about, a family member um, is now distant. And I think one of the ones I didn't mention yesterday around success that I've seen a lot uh, is families, Mm -hmm. right? Like we measure our success sometimes as parents on how well our kids do. And so we are constantly measuring our kids against other kids. Um, We have this joke in my family that, uh, I, I love my boys, and I think they're quite bright, so I'm going to put that out there before I say this. <laughs> um, but we have, you know, I mentioned yesterday the family Christmas newsletter. You get these newsletters and all these updates, and everybody's always talking about how brilliant their kids are, how their kid's going to be the next great whatever. Yeah. And so the joke in my family is that our boys are the next great normal kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, so it is such an interesting reality of – it's it's inspiring to see people succeed and to do well, but especially if they are close to us, there's almost a part where it's like, well, hey, don't forget us, as mm-hmm. if like they're supposed to carry us up. When why aren't we taking responsibility to become the person we want to be and what God wants us to be? Which of course, as we're focusing today, what does the Scripture say to us about our lives and this idea of success? So. Uh, you uh, highlighted, of course, in verse three that, you know, when you ask, you don't get get what you want because your motives are wrong and you only want what will give you pleasure. So that's an interesting principle that the success we want so much or so much of the time is about what brings us joy, what brings us pleasure or what we think is going to bring us pleasure and how many times have people sought after success and then didn't didn't actually f- uh, achieve it or didn't feel contentment in that. Uh, so that idea of seeking after pleasure uh, was something you brought up as well. Yeah, because we want to be careful. We don't want people to assume that we're saying that having money is bad or being educated is bad or that any of these measures of success are bad in and of themselves. But when the pursuit of those things is purely for selfish intentions, purely for pleasure, uh, that, and again, not that pleasure is bad, but it's always about me, 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 my, my one-year-old, that's his favorite thing to say now, mine, me, (laughs) mine. Uh, but we have this attitude of mine, me, it's all about me. And, um, something that then plays into that is that, uh, in Timothy, Paul is writing to, to Timothy and he says, the love of money is the root of all evil. So mm-hmm. he doesn't say money is the root of all evil. He says the love of it, right? Yeah. And so the love of our successes, the love of achieving something for our personal selves and not to be a benefit to others or to be uh, within the will of God, that 
creates a problem. Mm-hmm. That's when it becomes idolatry. Yeah. You brought in, of course, how James, the brother of Jesus, or half-brother of Jesus, um, he continues to bring teachings of Jesus into his book, which is so powerful. I love that. And uh, then this idea of you have not because you ask not, but the Father wants to give good gifts. And that's an important thing to remember, that God is wanting to pour into us blessings and goodness, uh, which is great. So, yeah, we don't want to discredit that someone might be finding success in areas of their life. It's what is our response and how are we going to understand uh, how God wants to work in us and not just comparing ourselves to others. Right. Yeah. I think uh, one of the first things we tend to do when we see somebody succeeding is, you know, oh, they're a sinner. They're doing something wrong because to reach that success that I wanted, they must be doing something illegal or untoward or inappropriate or whatever the case may be. But really it's about looking inward at ourselves and saying, you know, what is, what is God's desire for me? How should I be measuring success in my life, um, and what am I putting as the world above God? You know, what's become God in my life? Yeah, you you brought in the, a masterful perspective from verse four, where it says, "You adulterers," and talk about that principle, that concept that God reveals in the scriptures from Old Testament to New Testament. Yeah, so when we look at James, like if we were reading James in today's day and age, uh, we would accuse him of plagiarizing, at least in this chapter. Mm. Uh, This chapter is either Jesus quotes or Old Testament quotes. (laughs) Um, It's really not, it's fascinating, it's really not original content to him. He's just bringing it together and Mm. saying, remember, this is what God has been saying to us all along from the Old Testament. This is what Jesus said to us when he was here on earth as God reiterating exactly what he said in the Old Testament. Yep. So I'm just bringing it back to you. Like God has called us into a relationship. God is saying, you are my people. You are my bride. You are the one that I love. Why are you sleeping around with other idols? Mm. Why are you chasing after those things and forgetting about the relationship with me? I've promised, I've told you that if you come to me and you ask me, I will give you good gifts. I will give you what you need, but your motives are all wrong and you keep breaking our relationship because you're more concerned about succeeding and getting the pleasures that are all for you Mm. than it is about being in relationship with me and with the world I've created and the people that I've put around you. And so that becomes this, this real challenge. Um, you know, and I mentioned at the top, like there's this, um, this very derogatory term that we use in our culture around sleeping your way to the top. And it's mostly towards women, but in this passage, James is saying, you're all doing it. Yeah. Like everybody is sleeping their way to the top. They're, they're choosing the idols of this world over the relationship with yeah. God. I guess to, to go just very blunt, it's like you're getting in bed with something that you feel is going to bring you pleasure, bring you success, but it's of the world and it's not God's way and it's going to lead to a ruin. Yeah, and I guess um, one thing I want to be careful of saying is we keep using the word pleasure because that's the pa- the word that's in here. And as a church, we're not against pleasure. We're not killjoys. Mm. We enjoy yeah. life. Um, but it's really about contentment. Pleasure is about contentment. Mm. And the things that we pursue that, we, that this passage calls pleasure are temporary moments of contentment, but they're, but they're not actual contentment. They're fleeting. Mm. And yet the pleasure that God promises is contentment, it's joy, it's life-giving day in and day out. 
Um, it's not something that the world can provide. The world can only provide temporary fleeting pleasures, temporary fleeting contentment, which is something that God wants to offer more of us too. Yeah. And if, and if we are so intent on uh, going after those things from an individual perspective, we will end up quarreling and fighting because it's like somebody's got to come out on top. Right. And somebody's so, got to be the, the one who actually succeeds. Yeah, exactly. So therefore, if I have to run over somebody, if I have to disregard someone, um, then if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. And that's the world. That's not God and what he has in mind. So then there's this uh, powerful concept starting in verse 7. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And uh, you began with that and I think teased that out so we could kind of get the idea of that's a really cool statement, but is it everything that needs to be said? And you used a couple of other ways for us to think through that. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah. So uh, growing up for me, like I heard that phrase a lot and I've heard a lot of other Christians use that, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The problem is that's only a part of it. That's Mm. only half the saying. And that saying in itself is actually about success, right? It's a measure of how well am I succeeding at resisting the devil? Mm -hmm. But the full quote is resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and he will come close to you. And that's actually the most important part of the passage. Because when we draw close to God, it becomes easier to resist the devil because it's not on my power, but it's the power of Christ living within me that is resisting the devil. That's the one he's fleeing from. The devil doesn't care about Michael and my power. If, yeah. if he did, he'd never bother me. Yeah. Who he's concerned about is the power of Christ living within me. That's what he's fleeing from. Mm. So to resist the devil, I have to draw close to God. I have to draw close to Christ and let the Spirit live within me. Yeah. And uh, so that's that totally changes our perspective of success because it's no longer about me succeeding by overcoming the power of Satan through my own power and strength, but by giving it to God and saying, I'm going to draw close to God. That's where I'm going to invest my energy, my time. I'm going to stop getting in bed with the idols of the world. I'm going mm. to spend my time with God yep. and focus on that. So you used the statement that uh, I thought was a great way. And you could say people under their masks were trying to finish the <laughs> statement. You can lead a horse to water. And everybody and- listening right now is going... But you can't make them drink, right? You can't make them drink. That's but, right. But you gave that nice, as we call, pregnant pause. You know, it was just, we're going to let it just sit there. So people are going, well, finish it, finish it. Come people on. were shifting in their seats yesterday. I could yeah. see it. It was great. It's like, it's like you can't start a story and not f- tell us the end, right? right? You, can't, right. you can't do that to us, right? So that phrase is so, so easy uh, to apply to this scripture that uh, it's like, hey, there's two parts here. And and in fact, the first part of verse seven, before it says resist the devil is, so humble yourselves before God. Right. So in some ways you have the sandwich on both sides of the resisting is the significance, the importance of what God wants to do in us and how that will play itself out. And so uh, you then took us to an Old Testament uh, passage, which uh, were from Micah, and it really starts to reveal, you know, what is God asking of us? What are some of those things that are at the core of success in God's eyes? Mm-hmm. Uh, what did Micah have to say about that? So Micah chapter 6, 8, it's one of my favorite passages. And it says, what does the Lord require of you? Now, this word require, it could also mean desire. What's his intention for you? Uh, and he says to do justice, to love mercy, 
and to walk humbly with your God. Mm-hmm. That is the ex- exact um, expectation that God, God has on our lives. He said it's not about the sacrifices. It's not about all the things that you give up. But it's the way that you live your life mm. chasing after the heart of God, which is about justice, mercy, and humility, um, which is what we see in the life and death of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's so powerful and so helpful um, because then you really kind of narrow down, I guess, to get to the core. The way up is humility to humble ourselves, which mm-hmm. just seems so different and and uh, the opposite of what we see in the world uh, and so these passages really do speak to the core of who we are yeah it's totally different than the way that we've been raised to view success hmm. uh, success is about pride success is about accomplishment success is about achievement but in this, it's really about humility. I mean, Jesus said to his disciples, they were quarreling about who was the best, right? Yeah. Fits right into what James was saying. You're quarreling amongst yourself because you want to prove who's better than the other one. And Jesus said, you guys got it all wrong. Like he's three years into teaching these guys. And he's like, yep. three years later, you're still getting this wrong. Mm. The measure of who my best disciple is, is not who's learned the most of the key phrases I say, or who's gone out and expelled the most demons. It's like the one who serves everyone else the best, Hmm. that's the greatest. If you want to be the greatest disciple of all, the greatest person of all, then you're going to be the one who humbles themselves the most. Yeah. And and with that, I think it's great because when you come back to the concept of drawing near to God, to God's heart, we we could get really busy serving thinking, okay, I just got to be busy. Mm-hmm. I've just got to, you know, be about the work of the church and the work of the ministry and and go, go, go. And could actually be like what we would call a starving baker. Yeah. You know, we're, we're busy doing these things, but we're not actually getting closer to Christ himself. And so such an important part of humility is not just saying, I have to, you know, suck it up and and pay my dues and work hard and and be a good citizen and all those kind of things. It's like, okay, let let's let our lives be getting closer to God, closer to Christ, and then out of that comes a power. Out of that comes a wisdom. Out of that comes the actions, the good deeds, because they're flowing out of a relationship uh, with God Himself. Yeah, and I, I think two key things to keep in mind when we talk about that is that when we are looking at um, the measure of success in our lives, that we are honest with ourselves about that. Mm. Because it's very easy to fool others around us right. with how busy we are and how so how good we must be doing because we're doing good things. Uh, and in that, fool ourselves. Well, look at all these things I'm doing for God. So obviously we must be doing okay, right? And it's like, no, no, no. You have to chase after the heart of God first before you do those things. Mm. But then once you chase after the heart of God, the second thing is then that needs to manifest out. So if your life is not exemplifying justice, mercy, and humility, Hmm. then you're you're drawing close to some image of God that you've created. It's not the actual God because he's about justice, love, and mercy. Yeah, that's, that's so good. Uh, one one final concept that you shared that I thought was so insightful. I actually have never thought of it from this perspective. It caught my attention. 
And that is, here is Jesus, who is deity, mm-hmm. who became humanity. So the scripture says in Philippians that he humbled himself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he, he limited his power and took the form of a servant, a, a human, in human likeness. So you then said, hey, if we all looked at ourselves and knowing who we are, and if we have a fairly decent self-concept and an awareness of our lives and, and we're somewhat content, however, if we could have the nature of God, if we could be God, what would we choose? Mm-hmm. And, and again, I think you were like, yeah, most people would probably choose God. If I could be God, well, why wouldn't I want that? You right. Know? But I'm not. But if I can learn from the example of Christ and what he did, that is going to show how I now now need to live my life too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that distance of humility comparing yourself, like the distance Jesus had to, in a way, go from being God to humanity, our sicknesses, our pains, our frustrations, Mm. dying at our cruel hands is uh, one of the phrases I used yesterday. That's a, a huge gap. That's yeah. a huge distance to go. And Jesus says, follow my example. And, you know, when we are asking of ourselves, what is Christ asking us to sacrifice? How is he asking us to humility, hum, humble ourselves? Sometimes we go, oh, I don't know if I can go that far. Like that, that's a big ask, Jesus. But when I, when I compare the two, when I put that on the spectrum of, yeah. of you know, looking at God's glory versus my own, this is where we all fall short of the glory of God. I'm like... I am broken, mm. and what Jesus is asking of me is nothing compared to what he's demonstrated and done for me. That yeah. that distance of humility is so small for us compared to what God's done. Yeah. I th- this passage and the, and the message, you know, the way up is down, just reminds me of how much we can strive, we can work hard, we can do good deeds and think that that's going to save us, Mm -hmm. going to bring us into right relationship with God. But once again, we have to fall on the merits of Christ, the finished work of Mm -hmm. what Jesus has done for us. And we hold on to that and let that become the source of our life, which is then the source of our success, Mm -hmm. because he will then lead us and direct us and we don't have to guess. We don't have to just run ahead and try to make it happen. Right. We, can, we can be in relationship with God and through his son, uh, as we are humbly listening and walking with him, we're going to be able to experience the, the joys of Christian living, which in, even includes resisting the devil. Yes. You know, it's like it's not... I that am resisting the devil is Christ in me and his power. And uh, so I think this is a powerful message for us. Thanks. Yeah, I think one of the things that we often forget is that when we are going out to do something, God has already gone before us. Yeah. Like he's not waiting for us to show up to then, you know, like, Michael, when you get to the party, I'll show up. No, like God is already working in people's lives. He's already doing things in our world. He's asking me to join him. So when I draw near to God... Then when I show up at something, hmm. I can see God's work ahead of me. Yeah. Uh, and I can see where I think God's going to work after I leave because God's not done when I'm done. <laughs> He's yeah. going to keep working. And it just it, it's very humbling to see that little part that I get to play, mm-hmm. but also recognize that God in his humility and in his justice and his mercy is working ahead 
and just inviting us to join in. And when we draw close to the heart of God, we see that so much more clearly. And it just pulls that whole passage together around humility and resisting the devil and drawing close to him. Yeah. Great message. And it's been a great series in the book of James, uh, hearing numbers of people say, that's my favorite book, or (laughs) this has been very helpful. Again, James is so intensely practical. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if you can read through the book of James and you don't think, well, there's really nothing there that really impacts my life, um, either a person is very ignorant yep. or unwilling because there is just so much that we can learn from the book of James. Yeah, I mean, James basically takes his favorite sayings of Jesus— some of the best passages out of the book of Proverbs, which is a book of wisdom, yeah. and out of some of the best passages out of the prophets. And he's like, I'm going to package it up for you, church. Like, yeah. here is just solid wisdom. Like, just in four chapters, five chapters, I'm just going to give it yeah. to you. Here's here's the core. Here's the key. Let me just let me just gift wrap this for you. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not going through verse by verse. We're, we're taking portions of chapters, and we're actually going to be kind of mixing it up here over these next few weeks. We're kind of going ahead, then coming back. And so uh, just as we head towards uh, our December and Christmas season, so there's going to be some ways that we're going to jump around a little bit here at the end. However, you could take the book of James and go line by line, mm-hmm. verse by verse, section by section, and spend you know a long okay. time really finding strength from this book. So We hope that it's been helpful to you uh, as we have been through this fall season working in the book of James. Pastor Mike, thanks for your message yesterday. And for those that are listening to the podcast, I hope that this just kind of reinforces and brings back uh, what you heard in the message. And if you're in a group or you're in a discussion with someone, uh, hopefully it'll be just another bit of encouragement to our faith journey. So again, thanks for being with us today. And uh, we'll look forward to our next uh, What's Next podcast. 